vector could do for me. I knew what I was capable of and I was playing too small. So my advice to someone is become a better you and be your best self. I saw the lagging success and results of who I started becoming years after I started those leading habits. It took a couple years. It was really cool to see everything come together. There's so many moments in life that I still have fear. Our team has fear for sure as a new rep and making calls. And so what I love about being courageous is it's not not having fear. It's acting in the presence of fear and overcoming that. Never give up and doing good. So the right time you will reap a harvest. Jason Heinrichs became an overnight success in Cutco Vector, but only after many years of challenges and then several years of concerted effort to become his best self. Oftentimes in life, we want results immediately, but achieving success is a process which requires that we put in the effort on the front end. After having some transformational life experiences, Jason set off on a path of growth and development that has led him to a great place today. In this conversation, he describes these transformational moments and outlines the steps he took to elevate his level of achievement and fulfillment. I'm happy to introduce to you all today, Cutco Vector's Northwoods Division Manager, Jason Heinrichs. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories, and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. My guest today is Jason Heinrichs. Jason is the Northwoods Division Manager for Cutco Vector, headquartered in Appleton, Wisconsin. His division encompasses the upper half of Wisconsin and the upper peninsula of Michigan. Jason is a veteran of the Cutco business since 2004. Started out in Wisconsin with Kevin Hanna as his original manager. He was going to school at uh, University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, sold over $200,000 during college, just a great sales career during his years of school while also playing sports and also ran a branch. He graduated and became a district manager in 2008, uh, originally in La Crosse eventually in Appleton, where he has built a Hall of Fame career as one of the top district managers in the company, took over the Northwoods Division organization in 2019, and has produced over $16 million in Cutco sales. Jason Heinrichs, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Dan. It's a pleasure. I'm excited to be here. 
Yeah, you've always been a big fan and supporter of the podcast, and I really appreciate that and been looking forward to this conversation. And I know we've got a lot of great stuff to talk about today. Take us back to 2004. Tell us how you got started with Cutco. 2004. Well, I was a freshman in college, UW-Whitewater, and I'd worked at Culver's for a couple years in high school. I worked with my dad as an electrician and really didn't like it uh, with the, uh, the labor work. Just wasn't for me. And I got a letter in the mail, Dan. And I threw it away, thought nothing of it, thought, I don't know what this company is. I'm going to keep working with my dad and figure things out. So thankfully, Kevin sent out a second letter to my class. And I thought, why not? Must be a sign from God. Should probably check this thing out and went into my office for an interview. And Dane Espigard interviewed me. He was an assistant manager at the time. And they Kevin Hanna was the district manager. And I started wow. June 12, 2004. Yeah. Wow. So Dane ran your interview. He did. <laughs> a, a, a scrawny, young, 20-year-old Dane. That is correct. That's so cool. And you got to start with Kevin Hanna. I like it. Well, tell us about your experiences that first summer. Yeah. Well, you know how much people normally sell in their first couple of weeks. What's your guess? I did not have the best start. And my first weekend, what's your guess to how much I sold? <laughs> I don't know, man. I sold 188 my first weekend. So I'm guessing from what you're saying, I'm going to take the under. Yeah, you crushed me. I sold nothing. <laughs> guess how much I sold my first nine days. Uh-oh. Wow. Uh, under 1,000? Nothing. Zero? I almost quit twice. I was so bad. I wasn't found the manual. I had some excuses. I was still trying to work with my dad part-time. So I wasn't doing like a ton of demos. But yeah, I went 0 for 9 my first nine days. Almost quit. I remember sitting sitting at the kitchen table to mom and dad, who were kind of, they're kind of mixed. They were supportive, but also a little unsure how well I'd do. And I'm like, mom and dad, based on training time, demo time, gas expenses, everything put together, I'm making $3.15 an hour. This is not okay. And um, after nine days, I just I just kept showing up, advanced trainings, team meetings, and I actually went on a field training. So Dane and Kevin were like, you're really bad. You could be really good. You should really go field training. So I went field training with, at the time, her name was Jenny Erdman. And now Jenny it is Vega. Jenny, Jenny Vega. Vega. <laughs> Saw her do a demo. My mind was blown at how simple it was. She sold 600 bucks, more than my career. And that one demo, I'm like, all right. I got this. So that summer, I didn't give up and ended up selling $21,000 that summer. And I've really grown a lot and uh, really liking it. And I uh, went back to school that fall, of course. And I had transitioned from football. So football was my freshman year in college. And I had some back injuries, some bulging discs. And so I thought, you know what? I like track in high school as team captain of football and track. Let's try that in college. And so I gave it a shot and went out for the team my sophomore year, uh, UW-Whitewater. Oh, nice. Mm -hmm. Nice. So you played both football and track growing up. Yes. Um, how did your time in sports affect your development? Yeah. So sports was kind of what gave me meaning, Dan. I, you know, it's really, really where I was able to not only compete, but also feel valued. I love that I could work hard and put in time and energy and be be recognized and, and and make progress in something uh, like sports. And I'm, I'm very blessed. I was raised in a really 
really great Christian home by two amazing parents who really cared for me. But on the outside, I was uh, I was teased seventh grade. I was a nerd. I was called uh, church boy and Walmart boy and called scrub. And I was really kind of an, an outcast uh, in seventh grade. And so ever, for, ever since then, no, I never really felt like I was enough. And I always had a chip on my shoulder. So mm. sports allowed me to choose to get ahead and then be recognized. And eighth grade, I, I uh, got rid of the braces, got a new haircut, was really good at football. And people started recognizing me. And I remember specifically one girl in eighth grade came up to me and was like, hey, you're scrub, right? And I'm like, yeah, hi, I'm Jason. Nice, nice to meet you. But you know, they remembered me as my old self and kind of eighth grade is where I blossomed. And then really was able to use sports to really uh, get ahead and really kind of prove myself. You know, I'm still, I still deal with some stuff from that, but it really allowed me to really just uh, prove myself in a way that I felt I was worth and not worry about past experiences that kind of brought me down. Yeah. It's cool that you were able to have that experience in sports, you know, mm-hmm. as a high schooler that brought you that meaning and that made you have that feeling of success. I, I think confidence for a lot of people is built when they have success experiences. And for many people, they don't really have any of those at a high level. For a lot of people in Vector, Vector is the place where mm-hmm. that begins to happen for them. And they start to feel like they can actually be great at something. And so it's pretty cool that uh, you had that earlier. I also always love to hear the heritage, the vector heritage of our our leaders in the company. And yours includes Kevin Hanna as your manager, Dane Espigard as the guy that ran your interview, and Jenny Vega, who is now one of the top sales reps in the entire company today, as the person that field trained you when you were struggling. Mm-hmm. Like That's cool to hear. Mm-hmm. So how did your Cutco career evolve after uh, that first summer? Yeah, well, after I tried out for track and went out, I was uh, I was a decathlete Dan. So I did all the events. It was awesome. It wasn't that much easier on my back. And so with that and getting some... I say, uh, like decathlete, yeah. that sounds hard. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I got some arthritis in the back and all these things that made me not want to continue sports. And I thought, I'm not getting scholarship for this. This is Division Three. It just isn't worth it. And I had Cutco. So Cutco became my sport. And my second summer selling Cutco, I went off. I loved it. And I remember a call in December from Dane and Kevin going, hey, do you want to be an assistant next summer? I said, what does that entail? They, they told me, I'm like, yep, let's sign me up. I guess I'll come back. And I went off. I was an All-American scholarship winner. I sold 36000 I made $23,000 that summer, which really opened my eyes. I had all my friends start asking me for work. Again, with a chip on my shoulder and trying to prove myself, of course, I had some friends who teased me for my knife job when I started. And then when they heard how much I made my first summer, how well I was doing my second summer, it was a ton of fun to work with a lot of my friends and then also compete with them. So that summer was a ton of fun. I grew so much. And that summer, Dane Espigard was the, the, was the sales manager, the pilot sales manager. And we had six or seven just baller system managers. We were all at 50 to 100,000 in sales. And it was just an epic summer. We probably had four or 500 recruits uh, there in the Milwaukee area uh, that we were able to, to help. Wow. Amazing. Mm-hmm. So you were an All-American as an assistant manager. That's pretty cool. And then you ultimately, uh, you branched? Yeah. So the branch program was a little, uh, was a little on hold that year. 
So I didn't go out my third year and I wish I would have. My second summer as an AM was amazing. I still made over 20 grand. I grew a ton, but it wasn't that growth that I was used to experiencing. First summer as a rep, second summer as an AM. So third summer was great, but not as great. So fourth summer, like I need a branch. Let's get out there. And I went out to lacrosse and I ran a branch. And again, didn't have the best start, Dan. I'm not not good at, at these fast starts. And I really stunk when I started. I brought two people to SC1. Um, I remember not even being top five in the division during SC1. And I just kept chipping away, kept improving, kept kept putting forth the effort, not giving up. And at, at SC3, the COC conference, they gave out region trophies for the top five branches. And I creeped all up to number six in the region, top five got trophies. And I remember summer isn't over yet. And I kept working those three last weeks. I remember emailing the region going, hey, check the reports. I'd like a trophy because I actually <laughs> was top five because I kept passing people. And it really, again, was another, another testament or another example of just putting forth effort, not giving up and uh, kind of proving myself to what I knew I was able to to accomplish. Yeah, that's great. I love the branch experience, of course. I, I branched twice and mm-hmm. and really struggled at the outset, my first branch, and had a similar story to what you just described. And I just mm-hmm. think anybody that branches, you you learn so much about yourself. It's so hard relative to anything else most people have ever done. And when you hang in there and you learn and you keep persisting and you keep moving ahead, you can make big strides during the summer and you can end up finishing mm-hmm. pretty strong as you did. And it's just a, it's just such a cool experience. So then you became a district manager the following year and you went back to lacrosse for that at first? I did and loved it. And I brought back a couple uh, assistants. So three of my top people at my branch summer were my assistants the following summer. And it was a blast. Went out there to lacrosse. We actually had a little, my office was in a, like an old plumbing, uh, plumbing place where above was five apartments. And there were two offices and one was an old plumbing place that I took over. And I actually lived above my office for, for that year. It was a lot of fun. And uh, it was a little sketchy, but it, it worked out. And <laughs> I loved it. I was uh, top 10 in the company as a new DM in 2008 doing 333. And then two of my assistants went out as districts. So in, in 2009, we did 599 as a, as a rookie DM, top 10 again, and then um, had a, two districts go out. So our district did 1.6 million. And I didn't even know what the heck that was. I remember at conferences, people coming up to me going, hey, awesome job in your district. And I was like, what do you mean? What is that? And so seeing that development, seeing them succeed, seeing what I was building, I was on fire and I just... I just loved it. So I really saw a lot of success. That was a fast start for me, Dan, in 2008 and 2009. Yeah. So you, you finally had that good start at something as a DM. Um, uh-huh. But I know, I know that you also had challenges. And you know, let's hear a little bit about some of the challenges as well that came up. Yeah. To the next five years, I call the years of average and figuring myself out. So 2010 through 2015, I hovered right between the 500 and 700,000 mark. And for me, from my past, feeling worthy and enough by accomplishing things and being recognized, um, I kind of felt down and I didn't feel like I was really getting ahead and started questioning if Vector is the place for me. And fall of 2012 was a defining moment. I kind of slowly slid back on my some of my um, who I wanted to be and, and, and my personal growth. And so 
Um, that fall of 2012 really uh, set me on a path to being just a better version of myself. I had called off an engagement. I had, you know, basically realized I wasn't being the person who I knew I needed to be for my for my people and for just those around me. And so I um, called that off. And then I went to a Tony Robbins event at UPW. That was amazing. I read the Miracle Morning book in December of 2012. And also that fall, I dove back into my faith and got more serious on that track, which those combos just set me on a path of uh, just getting closer to where I wanted to be and feeling more uh, just happier because I knew I was on the right path. So because of that, though, I didn't realize, I didn't know if I wanted to stick with Cuck or not. I knew personally I was growing and getting ahead and more on track. But 2013, 14, I was still feeling some of the impact of not being my best self in 2011 and 12. And so I almost closed down. I was debating, should I go Jenny's route? Should I be a CSP? I still have a ton of Cuck throughout college. Why not? So I, I knew I was going to be successful and happy. I just wasn't sure if it was going to be in Vector. But I just didn't give up, kept pushing through. And uh, finally had a, had a breakthrough a few years later. Yeah. So you had these years where you were evaluating whether you wanted to be even in the business, if you're in the business, whether you wanted to be a manager or whether you might want to go the sales route. I think a lot of people have those, those thoughts. There's a lot of managers that mm -hmm. maybe aren't performing up to the level of some of their peers and probably have those thoughts in their mind of, you know, is this is this the place for me? Do I want to stay with this? What advice would you have for somebody who has those thoughts in their mind right now? Mm -hmm. I would for sure say to never give up. I have it actually engraved on my Hall of Fame ring to never give up. And a verse that comes to mind, Galatians 6, 9, is, is never give up in doing good. So the right time you will, you will reap a harvest. And essentially, I knew what Vector could do for me. I knew what I was capable of, and I was playing too small. So my advice to someone is that don't blame the company or the situation. Become a better you and be your best self and go out on top. Because if you don't give up, great things are going to happen or doors are going to open for you. And I feel like I debated leaving because of my own, uh, my own choices. The couple of previous years of not really being my best self, developing a staff, creating systems, and not really having a, a vision for the future. Yeah. And you described three things that helped you through this phase. One was beginning your miracle morning practice. The second mm -hmm. was attending a Tony Robbins UPW seminar. And the third was uh, getting more into your own faith. Mm -hmm. uh, can, can you speak to how each of those three things helped you through this phase in your life? Maybe start with whichever one comes to mind first. Yeah, for sure. So I would say, well, first of all, just faith. It was just, just a hope, a purpose. You know, why am I here? And you know, that's not important for, for everyone. But for me, it was just getting involved for what am I working towards? What's important to me? So I think whatever, whatever that is, faith or something else, just finding that, like, what is your end goal? And how does this fit fit into it? Uh, the mm -hmm. other would be UPW. It was just a shock to the system. Went with a lot of people and Ben Skemper, Danny Lewis, Phil Bolander, who else? Greg Strine. It, it was a core group of people who are now doing really well in life as well. That just firewalking, being at Tony Robbins, it was just, it was amazing. And it was kind of like a, a kick to the system to get going 
and get started. So that's also kicked some of my health habits that I've kept. And then Miracle Morning, Game Changer. I started that practice instantly. And from 2013, uh, I haven't missed, maybe missed a day or two a year, if that. But it just, I feel so great because I know by 7 a.m., I'm ready to take on the day and I'm my best self. And I, I for sure am a big fan of Hal Arad and, and, and love, love what he shares with the Miracle Morning. But that for sure was a game changer for me. What is your Miracle Morning practice? Can you share it? Yeah. Well, it really starts the night before, Dan. That's a big tip. It starts with that necessary night. So my alarm goes off at 9.20 p.m. Not only is it the, the 920 area code kind of goes with that, but also uh, it's I know I want to get a solid seven-ish hours of sleep. So if I get my alarm at 9.20, I'll be in bed around 10, 10 o'clock and get my seven-ish hours of sleep so I can wake up around 5 a.m. And you know, every day it's a diving into to my to my reading and devotionals. It's going through my five minute journal, and it is uh, kind of looking at my day, probably five to ten minutes a day of my schedule and what I need to accomplish that day, and getting mentally right. So when I hit the ground running seven thirty eight o'clock in business, I can I can know what what to do. And then also, then I go to the gym for forty five minutes a day and listen to a podcast. Yours, of course, uh, many days a week. And that way I'm always growing uh, as well. And then, you know, I have, I have my morning, my morning coffee and I do some of my stretches for my back and talk to spend some time with, with my wife and my son, Micah. So it's kind of from 5 a.m. till 7.30 a.m. is my sacred time that I need. And really, I don't like to start anything ever before 7.30, even leaving for <laughs> conferences or flights. I just really kind of messes with my whole day if I can't get that in. Right. It just seems like uh, such a great routine to be able to have some personal time to start the day. And Mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be super early, I think, for people that think like, oh man, getting up at five is not in my agenda, which is what I would say. I don't think it has to be super early. And And it also doesn't have to necessarily follow... Hal's specific formula. I think Hal's mm-hmm. formula is great, but it can be customized and we can make it our own. The idea is that there's personal time each day to make sure that when you're actually beginning your work or whatever it is that you're doing for the day, that you're beginning it with good energy and in a good state of mind, and you're just more ready to tackle the challenges of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it a lot. UPW, Jason, was very instrumental moment in my life as well. And I was 19 years old when I went to UPW. So to put that into context, this was, when did you go? 20? Uh, 2012. 20, yeah. So I went 22 years before you did. <laughs> <laughs> In April, April of 1990, it's interesting that I can still remember this as far as when it was, right? Because that'll tell you how influential it was for me. And it, it wasn't that Tony Robbins is so amazing and great, even though I, I do think he is. It was the feeling I got of growth and personal development and how much I just loved that feeling. It was almost like a drug right? That I just felt Mm -hmm. good when I was learning and growing. And I just wanted more of that. And I also placed a lot of high emphasis on sharing what I was learning. And I can remember giving a speech at a division meeting shortly after where I was, you know, speaking to people about stuff I'd learned from Tony Robbins. And 
it just set me on a track of consistent personal growth that I've never gotten off ever since then. So it was definitely uh, an, an instrumental event in my life as well. It's cool that we share that. And it's cool that you shared it with such amazing individuals from the Vector business that were around, around you at that time. So you described that all of these sort of transformative times that you went through, they took a few years to really take hold in your life. It wasn't an immediate shift. It evolved over the next couple of years. When did you finally feel like you had broken through to the success that you really wanted? So, I mean, I saw the lagging success and results, Dan, of who I started becoming years after I started those bleeding habits, right? And so, you know, it took a couple years, right? I said I started that and had some transformation fall of 2012, but then I felt like leaving Vector 2013, 2014. But 2015, things started picking up. I started feeling the benefits and seeing who I developed and allowed uh, my kind of my results to catch up to what I was doing personally. And it was really cool to see everything come together in 2017. I had a really great sales manager, Liz Spang, and it was our first million dollar office, the first district office to do million dollars in Wisconsin history. And I had a mission on it. I was focused on all year. I'm like, this is finally the year, you know, because every year you go into the year, this is going to be the year and we're going to do a million. And there's like eight years of that and <laughs> it not happening. And then so 2017, it all came together, but it wasn't guaranteed because, all right, we had about a hundred grand to go, Dan, around Thanksgiving. So I needed a hundred thousand more to go. I'm like, no, don't let this happen again. We're not going to miss it again by a little bit because the previous year we'd have done about 900,000. And so I, of course, being a fan of Hellrod, I, I read and learned a lot about the miracle equation. And I'm like, all right, unwavering faith plus extraordinary effort. This is going to happen. I remember getting some tips from, I was sitting down with Jameson Jones and Dan Espigard and a few people about how do you finish strong? How did you do so much business at the end of December? And us in Central usually do a big slingshot back. We don't do any recruiting all December. Like, how is this going to happen? I have some amazing CSPs and Nick Snyder, Samantha Booth, and Vernon Williams who have been with me for a while. But based on their, uh, on their plans, I didn't think that we were going to hit it. So I did some extra recruiting in December, had threw out some crazy contests. And literally the last night, Dan, the last, I can't even explain it. Miracle equation, literally, I'm, I'm texting everyone, Snapchatting everyone, letting them know about, hey, we're close to a million, mission one million, let's go. And I kept coming across this name, Trisha, for an old rep in my phone that I was sending, hey, do you want to get any extra orders? And I had a past customer who was a business order of mine named Trisha. I'm like, what the heck? Might as well reach out to her again. And uh, with everything, basically, the long story short, they end up buying about $14,000 of cheese knives, Dan. Literally the last day, they were at their cabin. I remember like, <laughs> them, like so sorry, Trisha. This is literally the last day. And a few days prior, I just, I told my wife, I'm like, babe, I don't know if we're going to hit it, but miracles have to happen, but I believe in it. I've been praying about it. I believe like it's going to happen. And literally at 11 o'clock the last night, it was a $14,000 order. And we did $1,012,000. All so right. It was everyone's effort, but there's some little miracles that happened in there to have that happen. And it was, it was really great. So then I, you know, then again, I felt worthy. I felt enough because hey, I finally earned the Rolex, right? I finally became part of that circle. 
and like I was enough. So that really, really, really helped. And, you know, that kind of started on the mentality of, hey, why not do it every year? And so last few years, we've been around a million or above and then got promoted. Yeah. Exciting. Mm-hmm. So cool that uh, you ran across the finish line and and that's what got you there uh, mm-hmm. to hit the goal. I think everybody can learn from that. You know, I love where Hal talks about, you know, where the miracle equation had its roots was in him trying to do three consecutive 20K push periods and how the third one wasn't going so hot, but he kept in there, you know, at all the way to the finish line. And like you had what seems like a miracle but maybe it's not really a miracle, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I like where Jim Rohn says miracles are things that happen that we just don't understand why they happen, but they still do happen. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times it's because we've continued to put in that effort. We put ourselves in a position to have the miracle happen. We've given ourselves ourselves a chance to have the miracle happen. And, uh, and you did that and you had that strong finish and we're able to get to a million that year. And it's led you to a great few years since then and a promotion, as you've mentioned. Pretty exciting. Yeah, I'm very excited. Yeah. Tell us about some of the core values for your Northwoods organization. Yeah, so I had been coaching with Isaac Tolpin actually in 2018, 2019. And then I got the nod to be promoted to division coordinator. So he'd helped me already. It was very interesting how that all worked out. We had been working on the lever statements and the crucible statement and all that in 2018, 2019. And then I got the nod for the promotion and it kind of went right in with, uh, with the whole division. It wasn't just the office. And then I, uh, they, they, they morphed a little bit, but essentially, um, you know, what we're all about the Northwoods division is we want to be team builders. So recruiters to really get, get the word out and build a massive team. want to be disciplined professionals. Uh, we're hungry to grow and we're life giving And we're also dream chasers. So our crucible statement is to live courageous. And what I love about that is it's not just for my team, it's, it's, it's for me. And so there's so many moments in life, Dan, that I still have fear. Uh, Our team has fear for sure as a new rep and making calls. And so, you know, what I love about being courageous is just, it's not, not having fear. It's acting in, in the presence of fear and overcoming that. And, you know, I've learned that in vector from a young, young age, but just having those our mantra gets me fired up, gets our team fired up. And so that's what, uh, what we're all about here in the Northwoods. Yeah. So can, can you repeat the, what you consider to be the crucible statement again? To live courageous. Mm-hmm. To live courageous. Mm-hmm. I like that. And you described as an element of that recruiting, team building, being a part of that, being disciplined professionals. Mm-hmm. being a part of that. You said, uh, you know, people who are hungry to grow is a part of that. And did you say life-giving? Yep. Life-giving. Yeah. So what I mean is speaking life into people. And I got this actually from our you know, Life Church Green Bay that I go to uh, up here, but it's just being a giver of life, a, a promoter of life, just being excited about life, being positive, energizing, not having drama, not talking bad about people, being life-giving and helping. Again, a lot of our team, they're young people. They're struggling. There's so much mental illness. There's so much just doubt and and worry and uncertainty from, from these young people. And I feel like Vector and myself, my team can be that life-giving help to them to 
live life at, at, a, at a really different level. And so that's really what life giving means. I love that. That's so cool. It reminds me of the energy bus, uh, oh, yeah. which is a book by John Gordon shortly before your episode of this podcast comes out. So as people are listening right now, I would have already released an interview with John Gordon for the podcast. And I just love that feeling of like giving energy to others. Like that's such an important part of what I think is a, a key element of being a leader, right? Is are, are you, are you creating more energy with the people around you giving life, as you said, versus being somebody that, you know, is drain the, the energy vampire as John Gordon would describe it, right? That's draining everyone mm-hmm. around you. And then you also said dream chasers. Was that what, uh, what you yeah. also said? Yeah, for sure. I mean, being raised in Vector, we're all about accomplishing dreams. And of course, being kind of raised a little bit in Vector by Dane and being right next to his division, you know, about the dream team. You know, I really want my team to understand that Vector is not your only place. It's an amazing place to be, but it is a place for you to figure out your dreams, chase your dreams, and use it as the vehicle to accomplish that and just be here as long as you can, right? To earn and learn as much as you can in Vector while you figure out what you want to do or what your next dream is. And hopefully we can be that stepping stone. Like we don't want to see you leave, but if it's better for you to go off and chase your dream and you want to, great. You know, Vector can accomplish a lot of that for you. So be here as long as you can. Yeah, I like that a lot too. So really cool stuff right there on the values, the core values of your division organization. I think for any division manager, particularly for any young or newer division manager to think about and consider, right? What are you all about? What are the values of your organization? And the values of the organization have to reflect your own personal values. I'm sure these are all very personal to you, these things that you just described. And when you have that, then what's going to happen is you're going to attract people who are inspired by those values, who resonate with those values. And you're going to build your team with people who identify with those and support those values. And you build an organization in the mold of yourself. And that's a very powerful place to be coming from as you're building a new team for the future. So great stuff. Jason, you've written a book. It's called Conquer the Post-College Passion Slump. Tell us a little bit about, uh, about your book and about uh, Daily Life University. Sure, you know it. Yeah, so it's really a pretty simple concept. And I kind of feel like a thief because I've taken everything that I love and everything that I've learned through, you know, I feel like being a Jesus person has changed my life. Being a vector person has changed my life. Uh, doing the Miracle Morning has changed my life. So basically kind of encompassed what I've learned from those and put it in, in a book. And, you know, really being a part of Vector and seeing my growth really gave me so much value and excitement for life. And I just saw so many of my friends in college have this hope for what life will be after college and see them graduate and me continue to love life and Vector and them, many, not all of them, many of them just uh, stick in like their college like there is how I would say the mediocre majority, they'd stick in that. And, you know, I feel like this is a book for college students and for young professionals in their 20s to really some simple concepts on, on life and being a student of life. So the concept of Daily Life University is, hey, life should be your university. You shouldn't be just learning college and be done learning. Actually, after college is when, or if you're doing personal growth, is when it actually starts because you're actually learning specifically about you and how to make you better 
And that's what I love about the concept of the book. Again, nothing new to vector people, but again, I just see too many young people not being happy and not pursuing their their dreams. And so I thought this book could really help um, a lot of people. And so that's a little bit about the book. I can go into more into more detail about it. I like what you just shared right there about how after college, that's when learning actually starts, right? Because everything we're learning up until college is to prepare us for what happens after. It's to prepare us for the workplace. It's to prepare us for the responsibility of being an adult, the challenges of life, relationships. Everything that we learn is to prepare us to get into those things. But then once we get into those things, we can't expect that everything's going to be perfect right away, right? That's where the learning becomes really important. And the background of education is what gives us sort of a depth to be able to draw from and and be able to adapt more quickly and end up more easily. But ongoing learning is such a key part of success in any aspect of life. I think it's a shame that there's so many people who literally have not read a book since they were forced to in formal education. And, you know, for people like you and you and me, I'm sure that uh, we're inhaling book after book after book every single year. And I've never been one of those like 50 books a year, you know, read a book a week kind of guys, but I've always got a pile on my nightstand and I'm always moving through one or two or three of them each month and continuing to learn and grow in that way. What else do you want to say about the book? Yeah. So to dive in a little bit more than Dan as well is, is part of the Daylife University is I felt like there were so there's so much out there, so much knowledge of personal growth, so many options. So I kind of boiled it down to focus on one thing a day. So each day has a, a, a little uh, you know, term with it, if you will, where uh, Monday is Mentality Monday, all about you know, getting better up here with uh, confidence and mentality. Tuesday is Gratitude Tuesday. Now, feeling gratitude, showing gratitude, feeling blessed. Wednesday is Wellness Wednesday to be healthy. There's Thriving Relationships Thursday, Financial Abundance Friday, the Select Few Saturdays. Peter Vogt, I think, you know, kind of coined that, but it was just a lot of people party on Saturday. Why not? Why not get ahead? And then Spiritual Sunday again, very you know, close to me and important to me. Uh, whether it is your faith, or whatever, just having a higher sense of purpose uh, with Spiritual Sunday. So. Each day is kind of broken down. And then along with that, what I want to do is try to give it out to students. Because I know, like you said, not a lot of students are going to read a book. But I have a scholarship with it that all the... Pro- I've made a single dime on the book. All the proceeds go to this $250 scholarship each semester in the fall and spring that a student in Wisconsin can apply for. And all it is, is they write a paragraph or a page of what is one habit that if you eliminated from your life daily or you added to your life daily would drastically improve your life. And then they shared on social media and I pick someone and then they win a $250 scholarship. Oh, so nice. the goal is to get, you know, a thousand people a year to apply for this scholarship. Uh, but that's uh, a mission I'm on. And the great thing is I even put in the scholarship is, Hey, even if you don't win, you're still a winner because your life is better because you made that one switch. Yeah. Very cool. I like that a lot. And I know that you've implemented this directly in your life in terms of mm-hmm. establishing habits that you wanted to do daily. And you've mm-hmm. had these daily streak challenges. Is that what you've called it? Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of bonus tips in the book. Things like having an energizing lunch and upbringing your circle of friends, 
having a dreams list and getting on the streaks. And I try to find as many hacks as I can, Dan, to kind of booby trap myself into success. And Google Calendar is a big part of that. And there's a lot of other random tips there. But really, streaks has been huge for me where, you know, you get on a streak. And once it gets a long enough streak, you don't want to break it. You're like, sweet, I'm at four days in or six days in or 60 days in or a year in. And so ever since the miracle morning, I started having challenges of year-long streaks. And so there's different portions of the miracle morning. So, you know, like a meditation app and affirmations and different parts of the miracle morning that it kind of, some years they stick with me, some years they're just like, great, that was a, that was a fun challenge. What's next? But uh, so some big ones recently was in 2019. It was to read the Bible every day and get through the whole thing in a year. I'd never done that before. 2020, I can say I'll never do again. I watched <laughs> a, a documentary on Wim Hof and yes. ice baths. Yes. I didn't go as crazy to do it. I literally thought about making my own ice bath, but it was just all it was, was a 30 second cold shower at the end of every shower. I did that every day in 2020. And I was so glad to get that streak done because (laughs) as exhilarating as it felt at the end of the shower, it's still, I never look forward to it. So I also kind of incorporated intermittent fasting into that in 2020. This year is the year of the gallon challenge. So gallon challenge here, I understand the value of hydration and water. And I thought I was drinking a lot of water, Dan. When I actually tried it out and I got the gallon here for 2021 and the first few days, I'm like, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm drinking even close to a gallon a day because you just forget to drink all the water. So that's my challenge this year in 2021 is a gallon of water a day. Yeah. And it, you know, I had Alex Hayden on the podcast who's uh, has great advice on personal fitness. And he said hydration is one of like he he gave us like five tips on personal fitness and hydration was one of them that he shared. And he says, you know, we should all be drinking whatever our body weight is half that many ounces per day. So if you weigh 200 pounds, right, drinking 100 ounces of water, a gallon is 128 ounces of water. Is that right? I think so. I believe so. I have to look at my, yeah. 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 So you're, you're going Looks the extra, right. you're going the extra mile right there with oh, the, yeah. 128. You you also don't weigh 200. I've seen you. So, yeah. <laughs> um, but it's such an important thing. I was just thinking about how much of our body is comprised of water. I think it's 70% of our body is comprised of water. And the more we hydrate, the more we're providing an opportunity for our cells to regenerate more quickly. And it helps us to cure or it helps our body to cure itself of any ails much more quickly. And there's a lot of other advantages to it. So I like that one, Jason, and I'm writing it down the gallon uh-huh. challenge because I do feel like I can improve at that area and it's something mm-hmm. I want to get better at. So you've inspired me today to uh, get my act together with a little bit more water. I think I do okay with it, but I could do better for sure. I don't monitor. That's what I don't do. So mm-hmm. I do try to drink a lot of water, but I don't actually monitor how much mm-hmm. there is. So I think if I monitor it, I'll realize I could improve a lot. And what's great, Dan, is there's apps that help you with that. I just, you know, I found a good, it depends on the situation. You know, some apps track how many days in a way, uh, how many days in a row you're doing something with streaks, which is great. But for me, I literally have my five minute journal that I literally have to write on here, you know, how many days in a row I am. And I have different streaks right here. I have like different streaks on here for whatever maybe that I'm working on. But the three streaks I'm on right now are 129 days in a row, 41 days in a row. And over a thousand days in a row, just different streaks and personal things for me. And I look at that every day. So tomorrow, 
and it's it's the day of. So the, the key is tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up and give myself the number streak for that day. So I'm going to look, okay, tomorrow's 1.30. So I'm going to wake up. I'm going to go, I already told myself I'm going to hit today of 130. I'm not going to break the streak. There's no way I'm starting over. I'm already this far in, right? And there's, a, you know, I'm trying to do a lot less of social media and, and email and screen time to give my family more presence. And so I remember when I started that streak and I'm like 40 days in a row of that, but I had to do day one, like eight times, I'm like, dang it. And then I got to like day two or three and I had to restart over. So once you get that longer streak, it really just kind of booby traps you into not wanting to break that. So that's been a huge help. And I kind of mentioned that in the book a little bit too. Yeah. I love it. Good stuff. Good stuff, Jason. What are some of your current goals and aspirations? Sure. So professionally, I'll start with would be that we want to have the best office in Wisconsin history. We want to blow it up this year and do $1.5 million in business. We want to grow the division by 50% and on our path towards the coveted $10 million mark as a division. And then more importantly, personally, some goals are I really would love to, to write another book. I'd like to have more kids as well. The 14-month-old Micah, who's amazing. I love being a dad. It's really, really great. And then uh, my wife, Abby, of five years here. Just She's an amazing wife. And she's actually the general manager for the church coffee shop called The Exchange. It's an amazing place. And just be, be the best husband I can be for her and kind of like be a student of being a great husband and father to be my best for them. And then um, eventually, I think I want to buy an investment property somewhere warm that we can go to. And now that we're all virtual, maybe work from there January and February as it's not too warm up here in Wisconsin. <laughs> nice. Nice. Well, that sounds like a great list of goals and aspirations, Jason. You know, the, on the theme of the podcast, uh, being changing lives, I would love just to hear uh, in, in wrapping this up how you aspire to change people's lives in the future. Yeah. Well, I really, Dan, I believe and I know that I can be a light of hope for the hurting and the lost young people of Wisconsin. Now, I really want to share the life-giving message of Jesus and the life skills and personal growth program of Vector with every single person, but especially the 18 to 25-year-old, you know, searching people of Wisconsin and beyond. And I really feel that that would change the world. That's amazing. You have a great team of people around you already, and you're building it, I know, to be something even greater. The people that you have on your team are lucky to have you as a leader. You are a light and a hope. And I just think it's so inspiring to think about how you can Im impact Wisconsin and the aspirations you have for that. It's pretty exciting to hear. And uh, I think you've given a ton of great value here in this conversation today. I really appreciate you bringing your best to this. I appreciate you always supporting the podcast. And I hope, uh, hope you enjoyed this. Thanks a lot. You know, it's been a fun time, Dan. Thanks. All right. Jason Heinrichs, everybody. There was so much in that conversation that I feel like was really, really relatable for so many of our audience from the, the way that Jason, you know, leveraged sports as an avenue for meaning and purpose and confidence in his life and having some sort of success experiences early in his life. And for a lot of people, as I said in the interview, that's actually Vector is what gives us that, has given us that meaning and purpose and success in our life. The challenges Jason faced in most things that were new on the job 
and the power of the influential people around him to help him overcome those challenges from starting out as a rep with Kevin Hanna and Dane Espigard, how Jenny Vega played a big role in his success through a single field training appointment that he was able to witness his challenges in management as well. And of course, the guidance that was provided by many people, even on the on down to how Hal Elrod was an instrumental factor in helping Jason to establish the right habits in his life that would help him be successful. I love how he shared his successes in his early years as a district manager and how they were followed by a period of uncertainty, not knowing whether he was in the right place. He sort of plateaued his results. Hal teaches us that if we want level 10 success, we have to continue to maintain level 10 learning and development, you know, and perhaps Jason's plateauing results were due to stagnation in his learning and growth, which he turned around very quickly, right, in 2012, 2013, 2014, and that led to eventually a much greater level of success. Habits and actions led to his results. He made changes first with his own self, and those changes led to greater things in his life. The core values for Northwoods were pretty cool. Just the idea of being life-giving to people around us, being a light and hope, he said at the end, for all the young people of Wisconsin. I think that every one of us listening to this podcast is so fortunate and has such great skills and has such great opportunity to influence the world. And it is not only an opportunity for us, but it is a duty and a responsibility for us to bring life to others, to bring hope to others, to bring inspiration to others, to lead by our own personal example, and to be great and help others to do the same. Hope you enjoyed this today. Thanks, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you got value from today's episode, please share it with others and consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. Subscribing to the podcast is free and ensures that future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. And to support our podcast sponsors, visit changinglivespodcast.com slash deals. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.